Lord is gracious. He's gracious. Well, uh, we do this every Sunday. We just get, make a confession, and then we're going to get in the Word here, okay? Just say, this is my Bible. I believe it is God Almighty in written form. And today, it will enter my heart, my mind, my emotions, and my body, conforming me to the image of Jesus, to the glory of the Father. Amen. I tell you, I just get excited about that confession. Amen. Glory to God. We've been sharing on the glory of God. You know, I was thinking uh, years ago, we were in campus ministries for, for a lot of years at SRU and Grove City College. And uh, I, me- I remember going to a, a conference, you know, on how to build your ministry. And it was good, you know, it was like, you know, have a little coffee thing, like we usually do, you know, different things you can do in meetings and just how to reach out and stuff. It was good. But, you know, I I left it thinking, you know what? The main attraction is Jesus. Amen? And I'm all for different things to help people get acclimated, feel welcome. But, you know, the key is Jesus. And uh, so the glory of God, scripturally, is literally the essence of that which God consists of. Oh, my Second Peter one forces were three and forces were called to by His glory and virtue, and we're called unto His glory and virtue to, to to partake of Him, interact with Him. It's an amazing thing. Glory to God. And so, last Sunday we talked a lot about just man how how God has created us in in his image and what that means. And God's been dealing with me, said, you know, don't take one word of scripture for granted. You know, any word from the heart of God, man, can change your life, amen? I mean, one scripture verse can change your life. Glory to God. But when God said, you know, let us make men in our image, it was amazing. And we'll recap that a little bit. But we're going to talk again uh, of what it means just to enter in to the glory of his image. And, you know, we're living in a time that it's not easy to be a Christian in the sense that, man, on different, you know, on different college campuses, it's, it's hard, I mean, if you're even believing in moral absolutes and whew, different things. But the bottom line is this. God is raising a standard, I really believe, you know, the Bible says in Isaiah that when the enemy comes in, like a flood, God raises a standard. Amen? And I believe he's doing that. So uh, I'm just real excited about the message today. Uh, man, there's so much here. There's a battle. And the battle, Satan's for real. God's greatest desire is for us to know how much he loves us. And he wants us to know that he paid a price. That when he said, let us make men in our image, in Genesis 1.26, he knew the price that he would have to pay to go through with that. Because the Bible itself says that no one makes a decision to do something without counting the cost. And God counted the cost. And you know, I know when I was a younger Christian, I used to think, yeah, you know, God created us. He knew we were going to sin and and I didn't take it. I didn't see the profoundness of it and the price that he had to pay. And I began to think, you know, God, Trinity, God made that decision 
knowing it would cost him everything. We need not to take that lightly. That's the grace of God. Amen. It was unmerited because of our sinfulness. But he went through with it. So, I mean, one thing like that can change our lives. But he wants us to see how much we're loved. But really, that simple scripture that Lori shared today is what really this message is all about, 1 Corinthians 2.9. I had a wonderful pastor uh, when I was an elder in the Assembly of God Church when uh, I taught high school in Clearfield. And he would always quote that verse, but he would always say, and I learned a lot from him, he was a great man of God, but he always say, when we get to heaven, we'll get to see what that's about. But that goes on to say, but they're revealed to us now. God wants us, after we enter into his love, just to see just how close of a relationship we really have to him. Now, that sounds cliche-ish, but it's not. All of us know he loves us, but to what degree do we know he loves us? And uh, so we're going to look at that, because he wants us to be free in that love. He wants us to be whole in that love. Glory to God. He wants us to have victory in that love. Amen. And the devil's, you know, right there to try to say, you know what? To condemn us and say, you know, you can't be loved by God because of what you did or what you didn't do. That tries to get us to think that we're not free and not whole. That we're victims and we have to wait to heaven to be blessed. You know, I shared this last week. It's a, it's, you know, when Jesus was being tried by Pilate, there was a man called Barabbas. And whenever you see in the Bible, like the bar, like bar Nabis, Barnabas. Bar always means son of. Barnabas, Nabus means encouragement. So Barnabas, son of encouragement. When you see Bartimaeus, he was son of discouragement. So the uh, Bar Jonah, Bar son of Jonah means dove, son of the dove. And uh, so you had Barabbas, son of Abba. He was the fallen son of Abba. Barabbas. Then you had Jesus, the second Adam. Amen, the son of Abba. So you had Barabbas and you had Jesus, the son of God, Barabba. And they wanted the fallen son of God. They wanted and they chose a murderer to be set free. You know, sometimes it's easier in the natural to go with the flesh, to go with the flow and say, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, to, to get God, we have to press into God. Amen? It doesn't mean it's by our works, but God needs to know that we want him. All right. Amen. I just felt, let us share that. All right. So God's greatest desire is for us to see. John 3, 3, when Nicodemus asked, why do I need to be born again? Jesus said, you must be born again so you can see the kingdom of God to see the king of the kingdom, to see his heart. Then he said, Jesus said in John 3, 5, you must be born again to enter into the kingdom of God. You can't enter into what you don't see. So God gives us his word, first of all, and we're going to share how he gives us experiences, so we can see the relationship that God's called us unto, okay? So we already looked at, we alluded to John, uh, Genesis 1, 26, Man, God said, let us make men in our image, in our likeness. In Genesis 2, 7, 
after speaking the world into existence and making our bodies through the dust of the earth, the Bible says he breathed into man the pneuma, the essence of life, and man became a living being, a living soul, a living spirit. And then the commensurate verse, correlative verses in John 20, 22, that after Jesus shed his blood, he comes to the apostles. And the same way he breathed into Adam, he breathes into the apostles, John 20, 22, to bring us back, amen, to be birthed again. The birth that we, that mankind negated, minimized, and destroyed through sin. It's an awesome thing when we begin to see who we are. We're not just beings of uh, creation. We're being of impartation. John 17, 23, let, let's go there. Some of these are verses we know, but I tell you, the more we look at them, to me, the more amazing they, they become. In John 17, 23, the high priestly prayer of Jesus, and John 14 to John 17 you know, are all one discourse. It was what he prayed before he, he went to the cross. But John 17, 23, at the end of it, he says that, that we might enter into intimacy with God so the world may know that thou hast sent me and has loved them, Father, as much as you love me. Now, I used to, when I was a, just a baby Christian, I read this, and I, I had just a hard time accepting it. I said, how can, is that possible? Well, it doesn't mean that you're on the same part as Jesus, but you're his literal child. The Father loves you as much as he loves Jesus. How is that possible? It's because of the relationship that he created us unto. The relationship that Jesus died for. Man, I never get tired of looking at that verse. In John 15, 9, Jesus said, I love you as much as I love the Father. I read that. It's like, are you kidding me? How is that possible? It's because of who God made you to be. Glory to Jesus. There's no angel that cries Abba. Amen? Glory to God. So let's look at some of these verses again that we know, but to set a stage for some things we want to enter into. Galatians 4, 6. The scripture says, And because you are sons and daughters of God, God has sent forth the spirit of his son. We're going to talk about more of this in a couple of weeks, what that means. Into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So when the second you accepted Jesus, the spirit of God came into your, he recreated he created your born-again spirit. The Holy Spirit came into your spirit. And he didn't come into your spirit crying out, don't go to parties anymore. Don't, don't drink anymore. Although, don't pay, you know, pay your tithes. Stop smoking cigarettes. He came into your heart crying out, Abba, Father. Why? Because that's what it's about. It's about relationship. Then you enter into relationship and you won't do the things of the flesh. Religion tells you, man, don't do this, don't do this. And I, I get it. We're not to do these things. But here's the deal. When you fall in love with somebody, the reason that you do right is because of your love for somebody. Amen? So the Spirit of God comes into our heart crying, Abba, Abba. That's the first thing that ears of your spirit hear. 
Why? Because God wants you to know it's the most important thing. Wow. It's about relationship. Who God is to you. Who you are to God. And Romans 8.15 says that we cry, Abba. So as you continue to hear who God is to you by the Spirit of God, man, you'll begin to enter into its reality and you'll say it and you'll cry out, Abba, glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Go with me to Hebrews 2.11. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11. Hallelujah, Jesus. How many are you excited today to be a, a Christian, to know Jesus? Amen. Glory to God. Man. We could get a lot. In Hebrews 1, there was a heresy at the time going around in the church that angels were greater than Jesus. So Hebrews 1 addresses that heresy. Uh, most people think Paul was the writer of Hebrews. Some people don't ascribe the book to him. But it's written of God. And so they deal with this, that Jesus Christ is, you know, God Almighty. In chapter 2, it deals with man being infinitely greater than angels. But verse 11 in that context, it says, But both he that sanctifies, that's God, Jesus, and those who are sanctified, that's us, are all of one Father, for which cause he's not ashamed to call them brethren. Well, Jesus is our God, so how could he, the Bible says he, He's not ashamed to call us his brothers, sisters. Why is that? It's because when God created you, he created you in his image. The ability to hear God, the ability, the hunger to love God, to want God. I mean, man, the desire to enter into intimacy with God. The Bible says in Colossians 1.27, Christ is in you through the Holy Spirit, giving you the same desire for intimacy with the Father that he had. Woo! Man, you get that. I'll tell you what, and I get that. Wow. Christ, the hope of glory. And what God gives you hope for, he will bring to pass. Amen? Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. So that's Hebrews 2.11. It's amazing. And it goes with Romans 8.29. A lot of us quote Romans 8.28, and it's an awesome verse. You know, that God will cause all things to work together for good to those that love him. But Romans 8.29 and 30, there's some amazing verses. It says, whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate. Don't get uptight about the word predestinate. It just means he's given us all a destiny. I've shared this story so much, but I, I love to share it. Uh, we are doing a college retreat. Uh, most of the students were from SRU, Grove City College, a lot of kids from Geneva College years ago. And uh, we had a prayer line afterwards, and I was one of the people helping minister. I don't know, there probably was like 70 college students there. It was at a place in Newcastle. And this girl comes up, and uh, so I just prayed for her, and I said, I see destiny coming forth in three days. And I'm thinking, destiny takes a lifetime. But I said it like five different times. They start to laugh. She was with another girl from Geneva. And uh, long story short, I said, let me in on it. I mean, they're laughing. And she said, I didn't know she was pregnant. Her husband wasn't there. She's pregnant. And she said, you know what? My baby's name, I had a sonogram. There's a girl. We named it Destiny. <laughs> but she said, I'm over nine months pregnant. I'm having a hard time delivering the baby. And you know what? Destiny came forth in three days. <laughs> Amen. That's a true story. Amen. 
Well, I can't tell you that your destiny is going to come forth in three days. Amen. But I can tell you, glory to God, that you have a destiny. Amen. Glory to God. And nobody has less of a destiny than anybody else. Because it goes on to say that our destiny is to be conformed to the image of Jesus. That doesn't mean you're going to be some little God omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent. But it means you're going to, you, you, your destiny is to, man, to enter into the character, the, the, the intimacy that Jesus had with the Father. That again, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. It goes with Hebrews 2.11. You know, I really believe in concordances and, and Bible help, things to help you, you know, interpret the Bible. I have a lot of them. But the best Bible commentary you have is the Bible. Because Scripture interprets Scripture. Amen. It says, moreover, whom he did give a destiny to, he called. How do you know that God called you? Amen. Glory to God. Some people he calls for decades. And they say, no, no, I, I, so often, you know, we'll share the gospel, especially with young people say, yeah, I, I, I believe in Jesus and man, I want to have my fill, you know, and do this and do that. And at the end of my life, I'll accept Jesus. I'm thinking, first of all, it's dangerous. Second of all, because you don't know what's going to happen. But that's not what Jesus is about. It's about now. Amen. But he calls us, doesn't he? Man, I could go down here, probably every person here, and, and know that God's called you. Man, I know I was in rebellion. I didn't grow up in a church. Man, when I, heard, I didn't man, know anything about Jesus. But he calls us. Amen? Amen? Glory to God. But here it doesn't end here. It says, whom he called, he justified. Yeah. Ooh, glory to God. He calls you by saying, I justified you. Justified, just as if I'd never sinned. He's made me the righteousness of God in Christ by the blood that was shed. But it doesn't stop here. He said, whom he justified, he also glorified. What's that mean? It means that we're talking about that the glory within his heart, the love within his heart, the goodness within his heart. Man, what's right in life? Man, he's made a way for us to enter into it. I've never heard this preach. I'm sure it has been. But man, he just hasn't given us a destiny. He's told us. He hasn't just told us. He's justified us. He hasn't just justified us. Man, he said, my glory's there for you. Just like the woman with the issue of blood. Man, she, she had a, a flow of blood for a, over a decade. Couldn't get healed. She heard about Jesus. And she just touched him. Jesus didn't even know who it was. See, his glory, and the Bible says the glory of his healing virtue flowed from him into her and brought life. That's what life's about. Having what's inside of God through the Spirit of God get inside of you. Amen? So it's him that's living and not us. How many know he does a much better job of living the life than we do? Amen? Glory to God. But you see, here's what's exciting about that story in Mark 5, 25 to 35. Man, See, his glory wasn't under lock and key to some, to some people he wanted to be blessed and some not. It was under, not under lock and key. It was available, accessible to anybody who touched him. Amen? So much for this false doctrine of sovereignty. It's like God hates certain people and, and this and that. Come on. Come on. God's no respecter of persons. So she touches him, man, and the glory within him goes in her and she's healed wow 
And Jesus was so happy about it. Man, what makes him most happy is when we partake of him. And then give our lives to him because of what we experienced. Glory to God. See, this gets me excited. I'd rather preach on things like this than anything else. I, I believe in the rapture and, and, and things of the last days. And I get all that. And we preach on it. But the biggest thing I want to preach on is Jesus. Philippians 3.10, I says, I gave all that I might know him. And, and the resurrection, the power of his resurrection. So I, the fellowship of his sufferings mean, man, that I get a burden for the lost, a burden for the brokenhearted. You know, most everybody pretty much knows, you know, the center we have for kids been trafficked, and, et cetera. My gosh, you know, Robin's one of the main counselors there. It's like, my goodness. And so many of us here, have outreaches, whether you're teaching, whatever you're doing, the people in great need. Hallelujah, Jesus. All right. Glory to God. Some of these scriptures I want to go over fast because of time's sake. But I love what Moses did when they crossed the Red Sea and they were worshiping God. Man, they're worshiping for the great miracle. The Red Sea, man, has split, right? They walked on dry ground. Man, when they get there, they're having a worship service. His sister Miriam is playing the tambourine, and they're all singing and dancing, and rightly so. We should do that every Sunday. We should be excited, amen? But I love what Moses said, a man in the Old Testament. He said, my father's God, and I will exalt him. Woo! See, he was more excited about who God was for him, even more than what God did for him. Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Glory to God. All right. Let's go uh, to John 17 again and look over again. We're talking about just how awesome our relationship is with Jesus. In John 17, again, these are the last words that Jesus prayed before he went to the cross. And Jesus talks about oneness with God. Now, Oneness with God, oneness can mean three different things. This is where we, we need to divide the word of God. Oneness can mean deity, obviously it has nothing to do with us. John 10, 30, Jesus says, I'm one with the Father, that's deity. It also can mean unity, amen, Ephesians 4. But it also, biblically, is a synonym for intimacy, okay? And Jesus, and John, and John 17, 11 says, I'm no more in the world, I'm not going to be here. But these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through your own name those who you've given me, that they might be one with us. That's an amazing scripture. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. What's it mean to be in the name of Jesus? Just take, all right, let's just take the name of love. God loves you. Well, Satan will do everything he can to get us not in that name. Maybe through condemnation. Maybe through outward appearance. Man, you, you know, you're in school, you do a 14-page paper, and somehow you lose the paper. Or man, you, you know, you're believing God, and just things seem to be getting worse and rather than better. But see that when you're in the name, and the name's in you, the Bible says his name in Psalm 18 is like a strong tower. You run in and out of it. It's like you just know 
that the name which represents, God has different names. Obviously, you know, healer, baptizer in the Holy Spirit, savior, life, truth. But every name that he has, El Shaddai, the God is more than enough. You always say about the God of angel armies, uh, Yoi Rohi, the Lord my shepherd, all Hebrew, right? But they're all intrinsic to the name of Jesus. They all represent a specific virtue that he consists of. And man, when you get, you're in that name, and that name manifests, Jesus says, I came to manifest the name. Why? Well, the answer is in verse 21 that they all might be one. Now listen, this blows my mind. As thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also might be in us. It's not talking about unity. It's talking about an intimacy level. Again, God loving us as much as he loves Jesus. Jesus loving us as much as he loves the Father. It's amazing, these verses. Man. Mm. Jesus. This gets me excited. There's so much here. All right, for time's sake, let's go down to verse 26. Jesus, this is the last thing he prayed. He says, I've declared unto the men you've given me thy name, and I will declare it to those who've accepted me. And he says, the reason that I want my name, your name to be in them, is so that the love that I experienced when I walked to earth 2,000 years ago uh, this extrapolation of the verse. They have. So that the love that you love me with, you'll love them with. And so that love can be in them. Isn't it amazing? How do you know that God's going to come through for you? Because the Bible says in this verse, the same way that God came through for Jesus when he walked to earth, due to his love, who come through for you? He'll come through for you because he's your father. He's a good father. Glory to God. Hallelujah. See, it's, 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 it's really about our identity. I never forget one of my older daughters. They had a friend. She came from a very difficult household, family. And I tried talking to the dad, and he just was involved in drugs and a bunch of stuff. And... Uh, Man, it wasn't a good deal. And I'll never forget, I forget, they were like, they were like an hour and a half away or something. And my, and my daughter, I think she lost her keys. My, my older daughter, she lost her keys and she was with this girl who was a nice girl. She accepted Jesus. And uh, she called me and, and man, she said, you know, we're an hour and a half away. I lost my keys. And I said, okay. Okay, I said, I'll be up. You know, I came up, and, uh, you know, when you love somebody, yeah, I didn't want to go up there. That's three hours out of my, you know. But it's not an inconvenience. It's a blessing. Amen? So I went up, and, you know, I had a spirit set of keys. We got the car started. Never did find the original set. And we went out to eat after that. And uh, my one daughter came back, and she said, you know, that was a real witness to my friend. I said, well, but what was a witness? I just came up and gave me the keys. She said, you know what? If I, that would have happened to me, my dad would have maybe beat me. He, he was just so angry. I, I've never had that. But the reason I shared to say that, my one daughter just said, she said, 
That's just what dads do. Man, we can get into all kinds of theology. I, mean, I love like Finney and systematic theology and that stuff. But I want to hear something. The greatest thing you can know about God is just what he does. And it's not because you earned it. It's not because you do everything right or I do everything right. It's just because that's who he is. That's who he is to you. That's just what dads do, man. Glory to God. Why is he going to bless you? Just what dads do. Just what moms do. That's just what God does. Man. Thank you, Jesus. When the devil's trying to make it so hard and says, your prayer's not going to get answered. You weren't good enough this week. Man, you had a bad year. You can say, you know what? In the grace and mercy of Jesus, God will provide my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And the devil says, you don't deserve it. You agree with that. But you know what? Well, why is he going to do it? Because that's just what God, that's just what God does. Amen. All right. Time goes so quick. Now, here's what I want to get into so much. When Jesus was on the earth, one of the biggest things he was trying to do was trying to get across to his disciples that it wasn't like God was up here and they're down here just like they don't mean much. Now, God is up here omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, obviously, in that way. But he was constantly trying to get across to them. Man, that there was a realm that they were in. I don't know how else to tell it. There's a realm that they were in just like when you get to heaven, it's not like you're going to have to wait in line for a million years to see Jesus. It's not like you're going to have to be on probation when you get to heaven. When you get to heaven, wow, you're going to see Jesus. He's on the present. Probably the first thing he's going to do is, man, you're going to go down to worship him. He's going to lift you up and just hug you. But see, here's the deal, guys. The kingdom of heaven's come. In the sense, relationally, you can get a hug from God today. Amen? See, God was constantly trying to show these guys. And he's constantly trying to show us. And the reason it's difficult is all of us have experienced things that have been difficult. Hard. Griefs and sorrows. But God's trying to get into us, man, that we're just so close to him. We'll see how much time we have to look at some examples of this, okay? Uh, go with me to Mark chapter 6. We don't have time to read all of it, but it, you know, if you get the CD or watch it, you can watch this on Spotify anytime you want, which is really nice. Mark 6.37. Mark 6.78 is a trilogy of bread. and It talks about the bread of God. In Mark 6.37, you know, Jesus said, man... I know they, they have money. They can go and buy themselves something to eat. But man, it's a desert place. And they've been with me. I just want to bless them. We need to understand this miracle took place not because of necessity, but because of the heart of God, his compassion. He said, no. He said, you give them to eat. And they said, man, should we spend all the money? To buy? You know, there's all these people. He said, how many loaves do you have? He said, five and two fish. And then... You know, verse 41, he looked up to heaven, blessed them. Here's what I want you to see. He gave them to his disciples to set before them. 
Now, it wasn't like Jesus just kept multiplying and multiplying. Man, there's at least 15,000 people. There, there was 5,000 men. There's always more women than men at a conference. Amen? Just tell the truth about it. You know, women a little bit more spiritual. All right. Amen. Amen. All right. Men, don't look at me like that, Bill. All right. Amen. All right. There's always more women than men. And you know there had to be a lot of kids there because they got the, the loaves and the fish from a little boy. At least probably 15,000 people there. Well, Jesus didn't go 15,000 times, look up. He gave the bread and the fish to the, the, the apostles, disciples. And, and it, the miracle took place through their hands. See, what was Jesus doing? He's trying to get them to see that they're just not natural. He's trying to get them to see, man. See, it's one thing for me to make these things multiply. But it's another thing for them to multiply through your hands. But, but man, see, Jesus is trying to get us in this. Mark 7, 27, the lady's daughter is sick. And, and man, it's an amazing thing. Uh, she was not under covenant. She was, she was like not a Christian, we would say today. And he says, man, it's not right to take the children's bread. Healing is bread. It's the children's bread. Uh, blessings is the children's bread. It's what's on the table before you and me every day. But she said, Lord, even those under the table eat of the children's crumbs. He said, but this saying, she's looking for a way to bless her in his mercy. And her daughter was healed. Mark 8, Jesus multiplies bread again. He said, they've been with me three days and they're hungry. They've been fasting. Man, I'll be honest with you. I, you know, I, 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 fast, I still fast a fair amount. But I, I just, many times I've fasted five, seven, ten days. It, it, I've never fainted yet. But he said, there's some people, they've, they've come from a long distance, they might faint. So he says, so he multiplies bread and fish again, right? Well, here's the kicker. Verse 17 they forgot to take bread during the boat. They got one loaf. And Jesus, they're saying, man, Lord, what are we going to do? And Jesus says this, don't you remember? Man, it, the bread that came through your hands. Don't you remember when I multiplied bread over and over again? And see, this is what I want you to see more than anything. It was like in John 6.52, after he multiplied bread, right? He comes to them walking on the water. And then, man, they were, the Bible says that they were sore amazed in themselves and wondered. How can this be? It says in verse 52, for they considered not the miracles of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. It is easy for our hearts to be hardened that just how good life is supposed to be because of things we've gone through and because we've never been taught like that verse that was shared, that Laurie shared, just how awesome it's supposed to be. These guys are like, what do you think you want to do? I think you want to say, okay, we got one loaf. We had five loaves and two fish and we spent, man, 15,000 people. There's only 12 of us. We got a loaf. Why don't we just ask God to multiply? Someone says, oh, no, no, that's too much. That's too much. It's too much. Can I tell you something? What's too much? Too much is the price that Jesus paid for us so we can live a life that's amazing. 
See, I got to meditate on this. Glory to God. All right. This is what church is about. Do we pay a price? Yes. It's not always easy. Will we persecute our faith? Yes. I'm not saying everything's easy, but it's amazing. I'm trying to go quick. It's, it's just amazing the things he's done. Here's one, John 6, 21. And it's, oh, Jesus, help us. In John 6, 21, right? Jesus is walking the water. And the neatest thing, then Peter ends up walking on the water, right? Matthew 14, they go together. Twelve men in the boat. Only one of them says, Lord, can I come out too? What, ha- what happened to the other 11? I don't want to be like the other 11. I want to be like Peter. Someone says, Peter always putting his foot in his mouth. You know what? I put my foot in my mouth t- time after time as well. You didn't have to say amen. That was a little too loud there. Erase that from the CD before we go to Spotify. Amen? Erase it. Amen. All right. Glory to God. Amen. For live stream, just never mind. All right. Okay. But yeah, I, I do. We, but you know what? I'd rather put my foot in my mouth and walk on the water than be safe on the boat. Amen? And be religious. I'll be honest with you. Just be religious and stand there with my hands folded like this in church and not say a word. Amen? See, you're called to be a water walker. Not so you can be, think I'm better than this person. Just because your father, I tell you what, Jesus walks on the water today. And he wants us to walk. In the sense of believing him for the miraculous. Glory to God. But here's what happened after this. It's amazing to me. I'll be honest with you. I've read this a hundred times and never really entered into it. We're in a Bible study, I think a couple years ago, going through the book of John. I said, does that really say that? So after the, he get in the, in the ship, verse 21, John 6, 20 says, they willingly received him into the ship. And immediately the ship was translated in a second's time amplified to the place where they're going to go. Why did he do that? You know why I think he did it? Because he wanted these guys to see that they're in this realm of intimacy with him. See, it's one thing for Jesus to walk on the water. It's another thing for Peter to walk on the water. It's one thing for him to be translated. It's another thing the whole boat was translated. Why isn't that preached? I've probably ever heard it preached. I'm sure it is. Why? Because it would freak people out. We need to be freaked out. We need to enter in and get out of our comfort zone and say, you know what? God will do what needs to be done, but sometimes what he wants to do is out of the box. But it's not out of the box when we see who we are to him. Amen. That's the whole reason we're doing this. Amen. Glory to Jesus. That's amazing, isn't it? Can you imagine the devil coming to these guys after they were just translated the whole boat and saying, you know, Jesus isn't the Messiah. They're like, what? No, he, he wanted to be with these guys. Transfiguration. Go with me to Mark 9. Okay, we'll see how far we get. Mark chapter, my grandson's here. He said, Pap, Pap, you're going to be done at 12 because I want to eat that chili grandma made. I said, all right. All right. I get it. All right. So let's go to Mark chapter 9. Amen. 
In Mark chapter 9, it's so powerful. Jesus says, uh, there'll be some here who, who will not die until they see the kingdom of God with power. And six days later, he took with them Peter, James, and John. Now, another translation, it says about six days. Another translation says about eight days. Someone says, well, that means the Bible's inaccurate? No. We can't get into all this, but Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were all coming from a different context of who Jesus was. One was as deity, one as a servant. And here's the deal. So Mark's saying, and this is the first gospel written, right? I mean, it's the only gospel they had for about 15 years. Matthew, Luke, and John were written after. So everybody knew what this said. But like when you read Luke, it says about eight days because Luke was saying he was from a Judaic context. So they didn't count, they didn't count the Sabbath. So they did away with that. So about six, it was about, so that's why it's the same thing. But people look at that and they don't understand that. But that's why you, you rightly divide the word of truth. Amen. So they, a lot of times they didn't count the day because it's day of rest. So in different, they just didn't count that day. All right. So he says, man, he takes Peter, James, and John, leads them up to a high place, mountain, and he's transfigured before them. Man, there appeared unto them Elijah and Moses. Wow. And they're talking with Jesus. This is amazing. Why does he do this? Luke 9 says he was transfigured as he was praying. I think he wanted to show these guys. Hey, obviously I'm transfigured because I'm God, right? But I want, I want you to see Elijah. I want to look at Moses. The Bible says in the book of James, they were, they're just like us, guys. Man, Moses messed up different times. Man, he killed a guy. He was on the backside of a desert for 40 years. Man, Elijah, man, ran from Jezebel. But they're great men. You know why? Because they had hearts after God, just like you do. So here's Elijah, man, just like us, guys. And Jesus is talking to them. The Bible says in Luke 9, let's go there. It's amazing. He's talking to them about his sufferings and what it's going to accomplish at Calvary. Wow. Verse 31, he appeared in glory and spoke of his decease with Elijah and Moses, what he would accomplish for his cross. It's amazing. Why did he do that? He's trying to get across to these guys. You're in on this. You're in on this, guys. When you pray, the presence of God will come to you too. See, the most awesome thing about Jesus, it is all about him, obviously. But in one way, he wants it to be about you too. That's why he had them pass out and the fish and loaves multiply in their hands. And even the prophets of old. Remember the axe head that was lost in 2 Kings? The prophet threw in a branch representing the cross and the axe head floated to the top. But then the prophet said to the young prophet, you pick it up. Why? He wanted him to be involved in the miracle. People that are the only ones that think they have a current on the market or disciple people in a way and don't want them to do the same things they're doing or greater, I tell you, they have a wrong spirit. 
If I can do it, you can. If you can, I can. And we can do it together. Because it's about Jesus in us that's doing it, not us. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Man, but it was exciting. It was so exciting. You read uh, 2 Peter. Man, Peter says, he's, he's referring to being on the Mount of Transfiguration. He said, let's go there. I was at, let's go there. Glory to God. I'm trying to follow the Holy Ghost. There's a lot here. So 2 Peter, oh, glory to God. He says in verse 16, man, we're, we didn't come with you with some fables. Man, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty when he received from God, the Father, honor and glory. And man, we heard the voice of God literally come from the most excellent glory, the Father, saying to his Son, this is whom I'm well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven, we heard when we were with him in the holy mount, 2 Peter 1.18. Wow. But here's what he goes on to say. That was amazing. But you've got something better than that experience. You've got the written word of God. But you have a more sure word that you do well to take heed unto. Glory to God. But see, it impacted him. Jesus, Jesus, I, I, again, he wants us to see that we're in a realm with him. Now, because of the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Because of the blood of Jesus. Let me just refer to some things and then in these last 10 minutes or so. Mark 11. We're talking about Jesus involving us in what he does so we can enter in to see how close we are with him. He cursed the fig tree. We all know that. We don't have time to read it. And it was withered from the roots up. Amen. And Peter, calling attention to it, said, Man, Master, Mark eleven twenty two, or before eleven twenty two, says, Master, the fig tree is withered that you cursed. And Jesus didn't say, That's because I'm so amazing. Of course, he is. He could have said that. But the first thing he does is says, Guys, you could do this too. Wow. You can do this too. Someone says, well, that, that's crazy. That's blessed. No, it's intimacy. Now, we do it in his name, in his power, through his word. Not in our name, not in our power. And it's always under grace, unmerited favor. But the first thing he says is, guys, have faith in God. Really, in, in the interlinear, it says have the faith of God. Romans 5, 5 says we have the love of God. It's been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Galatians 2.20 says I've been crucified with Christ. No longer I who live. Isn't that good news? But Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. It's, it's his word. It's his faith. It's his power. It's about him. But because of the intimacy that we have with him, it's about us too. Glory to God. Hallelujah, Jesus. You know, we believe in the prophetic in this church. The Bible talks about fivefold ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. 
for the edifying of the, of the saints that we might enter into, you know, strength and victory. You know, <clears throat> I usually always carry this picture in my Bible. We have like 100 copies of it, and I don't think I have it today. Brad, I don't know if we have a picture of KL, that one we show so often. Do you have a picture of that? You can put it on the screen. It would be great. But I'm sharing this because we're talking about intimacy with Jesus. And uh, this is a while ago. We're at church and uh, middle of service like this. I'm talking, and, and the Lord spoke to me the name K-L, C-A-E-L. Well, I never heard a name like that. Okay, here's a picture of a little baby. And uh, that was sent to me after prayers made. And I, the first thing the devil said to me is that's crazy to speak that name because the devil said, you've never heard of a name like that, have you? I said, no. He said, well, why would you think it's for real? And he almost talked me out of it. I'll be honest with you, I'm as human as you. Have you ever been talked out of doing what God says? And so I spoke and I said, I don't, I don't know. I said, this, maybe this name means something to somebody. And there was a lady from Brookville visiting her mother. And she said, I'm going down to be with the parents because this baby was just born. He has half a heart. His name's K.L. C-A-L. I'm going right after the service. I said, well, I believe God is giving us a divine intervention. We prayed a really simple prayer. Didn't feel lightning strikes, no goosebumps. And I just said, when you go down, tell her what happened, the parents, because they were going to pull the plug because no chance of this kid living. And uh, by the grace of God, uh, you can see all the tubes in them, but uh, parents sent me the picture and said he revived and came back. Amen. And uh, while, so this was like seven years ago, and then uh, my wife was teaching, she's a reading specialist in Butler, and she was substituting not that long ago, and she looked on her rolls and there's a kid named K.L. And she said, I wonder if that's that little boy we prayed for. And it was him, still had the scars. And he's doing exceedingly well. Why did I say that? One, let's not put God in the box. Jesus spoke to the woman at the well, prophetically, what only she knew. Someone says, well, that's really crazy, that kid coming back. See, it's not crazy. It's Jesus. It's not to be abnormal. It's Jesus. See, eyes not seen, ears not heard, all that God's prepared for us. But God's revealing it to us, that goes on to say. Hallelujah. Why? Because you can't enter into what's not revealed. It needs to be teached. It needs to be preached. It needs to be shared. Glory to God. Let me share just two more things before we pray. The voice of God, the presence of God like today. I, I shared, it must have been about six months ago, we were doing a uh, series in the studio praying through the heart of God and I was doing some fasting and the Lord just spoke to me out of the blue he said I'll never forget he said thank you for letting me minister to you and I'm like what I said Lord thank you for ministering to me he said no he said listen to what I said he said so many people don't let me minister my heart to them kind of condemnation unbelief or fear whatever the voice of God. So here's the last thing I want to share because there's so much here. Oh, Jesus. 
The devil will do everything he can to get you disconnected. Sometimes in your emotions, you feel disconnected. Um, you guys have finals this week, Grove City, is that right? Come up. You probably feel a little disconnected. You know, <laughs> you know seriously. You know what? Uh, you might feel disconnected because, man, something happened that wasn't good and you weren't expecting it. You might feel disconnected because you're facing a trial. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe you, got pers- you lost a job because you're persecuted because of your faith. Maybe you feel disconnected because you did something wrong and don't feel you can get back. God wants to let, let you know. Don't buy the lie that you're disconnected. And don't get disconnected by comparing yourself to somebody else that has a gifting in one area when you have a gifting in another. Amen. I just sense there's people listening that, that feel disconnected. How do you know, how, how, if you're disconnected, how can you get back? Just say, God, I receive I'm connected because of your love for me. You're connected in a way that's amazing. In a way that's amazing, you're connected. It's just the most amazing thing that there is. Oh, man. And one of the biggest reasons God wants you to feel disconnected it's because usually when you feel disconnected and the enemies come against you, is because something really good is about to happen. I'll share this real quick. Uh, when I was a younger Christian, there was a coffee house in, my, in New Kensington, which is East Pittsburgh, close to where I lived. It's called Lazarus Tomb. Anyways, it was a good coffee house. And one of my, a good friend of mine, Jeff Cogswell, he was a singer in a really good Christian group at the time called Cephas. And so he was totally blind from an accident. And I'll never forget, there was a, a guy, we're at a table, at, it was like 11 o'clock at night, and he was feeling sorry for himself, which we all do. He said, God's just, you know, far from me. And, and he said, I'm going through this valley, man. And Jeff just looked up, he couldn't see him, of course, his glasses on. And he said, man, you're in the valley. He said, man, he said, that's where all the lilies are. It just broke the sky. But then he started to weep, the guy that Jeff was ministering to. And I'm just sitting there. He said, man, here's what else is so hard. He said, for two years on my way to work, there's this homeless guy. And every day I bring him lunch, man. Share with him about Jesus. The week that I felt so disconnected from God. I, didn't, I, I, I purposely... Walked the other way around. Just didn't feel like. Do you know what I'm saying? And I went back to bless him. And someone said, you know, that guy died that week, man. Now, maybe he got saved. I'm hoping so. But he just started weeping. We said, well, you know, God's not here to condemn you. But the reason God wants to get you disconnected, feel like you are, is so you don't walk in connection with him so he can use you to reach people in need. So when you feel disconnected, understand why. And just get back up. So harm doesn't come, amen? As we close today, if you're listening to this, you're listening to my voice and you're not a Christian, or you're a Christian and you're away from God, God's calling you, just like he did the first time. Just 
see Jesus. I'm so thankful for your continuing to call me. I'm so sorry. Connect me again in Jesus' name. If you said that, there's a number on the screen. Just call. And for us today, I really want to encourage us. Eyes not seen, ears not heard. I know there's trials. I'm not downplaying that. I know there's challenges. I'm here to tell you something. God wants open relationship with us. That's how he discipled the apostles for manifesting his name. That's how he disciples today. Oh, Jesus. Man, I, I just sense God. I had a few words of knowledge. I'm going to share these, and then I'm going to ask you to pray, and then, uh, oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Man, I just sense the Spirit of God. Uh, Ram, won't you come with the pray, and then after she prays, Debbie, won't you close us in prayer, okay? Uh, I just had some words of knowledge. I heard the name, last name Hoyt. That may, might be someone here. Might be someone listening. I heard the name Nielsen. I heard the name Danny, and I heard the name James. That means something to anybody. After they pray, could come up and we'll just minister, and, and then we're going to say a quick blessing so we can eat. Uh, or if you just need prayer, just come up, okay? But uh, aren't you glad for Jesus? Hallelujah. Glory to God. And, and I tell you, if you're struggling, you don't have to be ashamed. We all have struggled. We all are in a, in a process, amen, of growing. So if you need prayer, just come up after they pray, okay? Amen, amen, amen. Jesus, we are so thankful for your love. Father, we can feel the love of who you are settled in this room, that beautiful relationship, that intimacy with you, Father. It's just right there. All we have to do is just reach out, look up, and just surrender to that love that you have, Father. I just thank you, God, that at this time of year, especially throughout the whole year, but this time of the year when we're so cognitive of giving and loving others and sending presents and doing things, God, we are the present that you, you are the present to us, Father.